Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to everybody joining us online as well. Do you notice some changes in the room here? Do you like the changes? What do you think? All right. We worked hard, thanks to Justin and Steve, tech crew, staff, so many people jumped in. We're, we're trying to shape the room in such a way to in, continue to enhance our worship gathering together. So we shifted the screens around a little bit and continue to try to add components. And you give us feedback, which generally in church, that's not a problem to get feedback. So please give us feedback. Let us know if it's helpful or not so helpful, but our desire is to continue to move it forward. And how about we put our hands together for Justin, Steve, tech crew, everybody who was here super late all week long, do all this stuff to help enhance our worship gatherings together. I got a great email this week from our missionaries in Sicily, Italy, Paul and Kate Keller, and their two boys. They serve in Sicily, and they're working with North African refugees. So the refugees that are trying to make their way out of the mess going on in North Africa arrive at the shores of Sicily, and Paul and Kate and the ministry there care for Catania, they write some words to all of you. So it says, words cannot express how thankful we are that Eagle is our sending church. We are so blessed by the prayers, support, and encouraging words we receive from you. We are thankful, too, that we're able to stay connected through watching the live stream. So for them, it's uh, 4.30 in the afternoon where they are and listening to the messages. Hearing preaching and teaching from the word from familiar voices at Eagle is like, a re- is like being refreshed by an ice-cold glass of water on a hot summer's day. A little different climate than maybe we've been experiencing here in Indiana recently. And then they say this, you, can conti- you continue to make an impact in our lives to fill us up, even though we may be so many miles away. Thank you, Paul, Kate, Ben, and Joe. So Keller family, we love you. We're thinking of you. We're praying for you. And we're grateful as well that we can stay more connected thanks to technology. So can we just give it up for Paul and Kate and round of applause for you. We're with you. We're standing together. So open up your Bibles, John chapter 11. We're picking back up a series that we started in the fall. We started through the Gospel of John back in September with John chapter 1, Jesus as light and life. In John chapter 2, we looked at Jesus' first miracle at the wedding in the Cana in Galilee. John chapter 3, we looked at Jesus in conversation with Nicodemus. And in John chapter 4, we looked at Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. In John chapter 5, we looked at Jesus and the man by the pool of Bethesda. If you notice a theme here in John, Jesus and Jesus and so the main point of this book is to draw our attention to the greatness the glory the supremacy that Jesus is supreme and he is central amen to everything and everyone and so John chapter 5 pool of Bethesda John chapter 6 do you remember that John chapter 6 is when we brought our trust cross out and so the, how meaningful that experience was for us towards the end of the year. And we talked about when Jesus met the disciples out on the storms of life. Remember, the wind and the waves still obey his name. And we talked about how Jesus spoke to them, I am, do not be afraid. That was John chapter 6. John chapter 7, Feast of Tabernacles, where Jesus says, right, streams of living water can flow from within us. Remember that discussion? John chapter 8, Jesus met a, a woman who was caught in adultery, and the religious leaders wanted to stone her, and she, he talked about a grace that's given that leads us to freedom. And then John chapter 9 was the man born blind. Jesus met a man who was born blind, and everyone was struggling with, why is he blind, and what could you do with this? And And then John chapter 10 was Jesus as our good shepherd. And that brings us to today 
where we're at in John chapter 11. So my hope and prayer is as we journey through the gospel of John, you know, our minds learn best when we get the whole and we break the whole down into the parts and we put the parts back up into the whole. So I hope as we're going through John, you kind of get a whole thematically from John 1. We'll be in John's gospel all the way till Easter. So it'll be great. We'll arrive with Jesus at the empty tomb on Easter Sunday in John's gospel. So hopefully we'll get a little overview consistently between now and then. So one of the classic hymns of the faith, right? Maybe the most well-known hymn, if you were to do a little survey, would be the hymn what? Amazing Grace, right? That's the one that's probably the most requested, most well-known for lyrics and et cetera. Well, the author of Amazing Grace, a man named John Newton, and you may not know a little bit of a backstory on John Newton's life that the man who crafted those words was also the man who was captain of a slave ship, 1748, slave ship named Greyhound, was transporting men from Africa to the New World, 1748, and there was a violent storm on the waters, and John Newton is piloting this ship, and the storm was getting to the point where it was kind of crisis of faith moment, and he calls out to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, save me. I think I'm going to die. Jesus, save me. John Newton, 1748. Now, we have this visual. We think, oh, John Newton, the guy who motor, he must have like, got right down into the bowels of the ship and got a piece of paper out and, and wrote Amazing Grace. That's not quite what happened. John Newton came to Jesus in 1748, captain of a slave, slave ship. He continued in that business for six more years, exchanging chained souls for kegged rum. As a follower of Jesus, it was dark. It was lucrative too. Dark business. And then it was 16 years, 10 years after he left the slave trade, 16 years after his conversion, that he decided a vocational change into becoming an Anglican priest. John Newton became an Anglican priest. And then 25 years after he gave his heart to Jesus, he sat down and wrote the words to Amazing Grace. 39 years after he'd given his heart to Christ, he writes a little booklet called Thoughts Upon the African Slave Trade, and it ends up in the hands of William Wilberforce, and that becomes a key domino in ending the slave trade. So it's that John Newton who wrote these words, and I put in your notes there, if you haven't pulled that out, if you received a bulletin, they're in there, or you can pull up the app, and they're there electronically for you. Here's what John Newton wrote. I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I want to be. I'm not what I hope to be, but by the grace of God, I am not what I was. (laughs) Anybody who's met Jesus say amen to that one? So here, John Newton's life story is actually a much more accurate picture of the spiritual life. There are things when you come to Jesus that are changed in a moment. Like in a moment's time, John Newton came to life spiritually. He was given a new name, a new hope, a new spirit, a new destiny. There are some things that are changed, but then there's this process of changing. See, the Christian life is really about being changed and changing. Some things happen instantaneously, and other things happen progressively over time. It's kind of a long obedience in one direction. It's usually longer and slower than we imagined. It's the process of becoming in character who we already are in identity. 
The Bible word for that is called discipleship or spiritual growth. You become in character who you already are in identity. You are a person who's changed, amen, and changing. That still may be six years on the wrong side of the tracks in the occupation of the slave trade, 25 years before you write the hymn, 39 years before you help push the domino over to end the slave trade. You are changed and you are changing. And that's where we find John chapter 11, the characters in the story, Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus. It's an inside look of what it means to be a person who meets Jesus and who's changed, no doubt, but who's also on the journey of changing. So the backdrop to John 11 is Lazarus gets sick. And Mary and Martha, being that Lazarus' sister, they know who to call. Like, I know some of you have really good physicians, and you're really, like, you know exactly who to dial when things are unraveling with your body. I'm just going to say, there was not, there's no physician like Jesus. Like, they knew exactly who to call. They had seen Jesus heal in ways that nobody else was healing. They had seen Jesus do stuff with physical bodies that no one else was doing. So doctors in the room and doctors listening with us, we appreciate all that you do. But I'll just say you sit in the shadow of the one who really understands the physical body. I often say to doctors when I visit their offices, I say, doctors, I appreciate all that you do. And I notice all their degrees on their walls. You know, super smart guys and gals, right? Oh, super smart. They got all these degrees. I said, doc, what's interesting to me is you're the only degree I know that it says a doctor in practicing medicine. That's so ironic to me. I said, it's you know, it's really interesting to me. Like, I don't go to a bridge engineer, and so I'm really glad that that's a practicing bridge engineering. Because if you, any physician who's honest knows, right, the grand mystery of the human body and how it's put together, that the glory of God that's displayed in humanity, right, the best doctors on the planet are just taking, right, a really educated guess at times on what to do and how to do things. And so Mary and Martha, they knew who to call, we're going to call Jesus. Lazarus is sick. Jesus, come and do what we've seen you do many other times, which is heal. Jesus is a few miles away on the other side of the Jordan. And instead of Jesus coming right away to deal with the situation with Lazarus, the text says in early part of John 11, Jesus lingered on the other side of the Jordan. Have you met the lingering Jesus before? If you haven't, just keep living. You will meet him. The lingering Jesus. The one who maybe seems inattentive and unresponsive to your dying and desperate need. The one who just isn't quite coming through for you in the ways you're praying, hoping, and believing he's going to come through. The one who just seems slow in response or delayed or kind of ignoring. Anybody been there? The lingering Jesus. The one who's lingering on the other side of the Jordan while you got a crisis in Bethany and you need him to come through. That's where Mary and Martha are. Jesus lingered two days. What was the problem with that? Lazarus died. So Jesus lingered. Lazarus died. That's the setting of the story. Now picture, right? So Jesus does come. He eventually comes just later than they wanted him to come and under circumstances that they didn't imagine he was going to come to. This is where we pick up the story in John 11, verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, why significant four days? Jews believe that the soul of the body hung around the physical body for three days. So Jesus' way of four days is in the tomb. It's basically his way of saying, Lazarus is really capital D dead. 
like dead, 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 dead. You with me? So he's like, four days. Sign, seal, deliver. It's over. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. Funeral gatherings, memorial service, etc. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Can you feel the weight of unmet expectations here in Mary and Martha? Can you feel it? Where they expected Jesus going to come through this way and reality was like this? Can you see the look in their eyes, kind of that look of disappointment and, and pain and confusion? And For some of you, that's where you're at in the story today. You come in today and you've been praying, expecting, waiting, calling out to God for something, and you feel in your heart of hearts He's been unresponsive and inattentive to your need and your situation. You look around at Jesus dealing with everyone else's stuff, and you go, when's going to Jesus going to help me with my stuff? That's Mary and Martha. They're like, Jesus, you healed everybody else around here, but you didn't heal our brother. What's up with that? That's right there in the story. And now notice what I love about Mary and Martha, though they're frustrated and they're confused and they're upset and they're, they can't quite trace what Jesus is up to. Notice they keep coming to him, though. That's, that's a good look. Verse 21, Lord, Martha says to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Verse 24, Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you see, don't you love how Mary and Martha, they might be confused about what Jesus is doing. They can't track Jesus' ways. But here's what they know. Jesus is still the only way. So when we hit these places in life, gang, I know the temptation, the tendency is when Jesus isn't responding like we expect, hope, or pray he would, the tendency is to kind of, sometimes you want to stiff arm and run. You're just like, you know, you're just like, ah, it's all, ah, and you just want to put, but here's what, here, you got to stay with him. Keep coming towards him, just like Mary and Martha, because you know in your heart of hearts, he's the only way. You might not be able to track his ways, but you know he's the only way, and that's spiritual growth and maturity. You stay with him. I'm not asking you to bury your concern or your hurt or whatever. I'm asking you to stay, bring it to him. Right? Mystery isn't the absence of meaning. Mystery is the presence of more meaning than we can comprehend. Right here, Mary, Martha, there's more going on here than you can comprehend, clearly in their dialogue, right? Jesus is up to something. He told them earlier, by the way, he said, hey, pass word on to Mary and Martha that this whole scene isn't going to end in death, that my glory is going to be displayed. He sent them that note while they're going through the funeral. Now, how, how, talk about not being able to trace Jesus' steps. You're in a funeral memorial service, and you get a note from Jesus that says, hey, Lazarus' story is not going to end in death. Sure, it looks like it is signed, sealed, and delivered. But they bring their questions, they bring their mysteries, they bring their I don't understands, they continue to bring it to him. And now watch what Jesus does. He does show up four days into this, verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, he came to the tomb. So tombs in that day, above ground, rocky soil, so think of them like a large cave-like structure where they would roll large pieces of rock in front of the tomb to seal the odor 
inside. So he comes to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been in there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Verse 41, so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, underlining your Bibles, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So here's a painting from a 14th century Italian named Giotto. I want you to just kind of soak in this image for a minute. To just look at how he portrayed the scene. So you see Jesus on the left-hand side there in the red robe with the kind of the countenance above his face there with his hand up, an obvious Lazarus wrapped up. Notice the, the portrayal, right? The, the ladies around the tomb who have kind of their veil up over their noses because of the odor. Notice that. See the people down at Jesus' feet. Just notice that scene. So Lazarus, that's how Lazarus comes forth from the tomb. When I I first heard this story, I, I never really had in my head that Lazarus came out of the tomb like that. I had this picture of Lazarus like sprinting out of the tomb. I don't know about you. So we're going to talk about the Lazarus life here. And I want you to keep in mind, changed and changing, and I'm going to invite someone up on stage to help us with the visual this morning. Let's welcome Richard Michaels to the stage. Richard, come on up here. Put our hands together for Richard. So, Richard, welcome. Thanks for coming. I feel like Richard kind of looks like Lazarus to me, so you just look like Lazarus, brother, to me, right? I think Lazarus could even grow a beard as good as that one, right? Well, all of us men in the congregation, we kind of, you know, we kind of all kind of subtly, you know, really admire that beard. We kind of crush on your man beard it's there. It's a thing. It's a thing. I, I couldn't grow that, like my whole life, I could never grow that much facial hair. But Richard, tell us about Christmas Eve 2013. And, you know, for you, um, church wasn't really a big deal right. right back then. Pam, your wonderful, beautiful mm-hmm. wife here in the front row, right. has been coming around Eagle for years. Right. Praying consistently. She's got a season ticket back yeah. there. We mess with right. everybody's season ticket seats right. today, right? right. You know, tell right. them just relax. Yeah, yeah. God can still speak to them wherever yeah. they're at now, right? It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but Pam was coming regularly, but Richard wasn't really joining her for no. a long time, right? And I wasn't Chris- interested. No? No. But at Christmas... Christmas Eve. Why'd you come Christmas Eve 2013? I was pulled. Something made me want to come to see what this was about. Mm what the love was about. Mm. How did you feel about the love? Yeah. And I was changed. What happened that's in that service? My heart surrendered to Jesus. Wow. Christmas Eve, 2013. Yeah. That surprised you? You weren't did. coming to church thinking that was going to happen, <laughs> did you? No, it did surprise me because I didn't need anything but me. Yeah. But I wasn't getting anywhere. And when Jesus came to me, through their prayers, into me, yeah. I changed instantly. 
and it's been miraculous. That was your come to life moment, yes. right? That was yeah. Richard like coming yeah. to life. And now we've yeah. got an image of you, Richard, a few months later. Look up <laughs> on the screens. Ted, put it up here on the screens for us. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, Richard, tell us about that day. So that was August of that following year, so yeah. Christmas Eve, and then we trans, you know, we moved forward to August. We had right. our baptism there by the lake. Tell us about that day. I came to give all the sin away because I still didn't know how to do it. Mm. And through baptism, it was God that just took mm. it away from me and gave me freedom mm. in Him. What and was it like when you were under the waters, like, and you were coming up out of the waters? Like, what was that moment for I you? I was new. Huh. I was brand new. Mm. I was all, all together new. And thrust I thrust your all arms you guys. up. You yeah. thrust your arms up. Everyone's yeah. cheering. Then do you remember yeah. what you said to me? Yeah. What'd you say? I said, dunk me again. I got more sin. <laughs> <laughs> remember that? Yeah. Yeah, you said, dunk me again, Pastor I, And I, I said, no, I think you're good. Then you just pull me down <laughs> right. on in. We're going right. down again. And I had a, there was a bunch in my life. <laughs> Yeah. Everybody say amen to right. that, right? Amen. Dunk me again. I got more yeah. sin. That's all of us, right. brother, right? And so that was, so I, want to, so I want you to think, Richard. So this is August 2014, mm -hmm. right? And that mm -hmm. visual now, when you listen to Lazarus' story, mm -hmm. can you see yourself in that story? Yeah. Huh? I felt like that it placed me there where the sin in my life I didn't deal with. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to deal with it. And you now, come to life, uh, yes. But there's still some stuff, right? Yeah, and there's temptations. Why don't you just stand here, yeah. facing forward, and we're just gonna you, you keep talking to him about what it's like. What this? The put your feet that, a little closer together. Okay. <laughs> okay, Richard, you just tell him a little bit about what it's been. The journey has been what? It's been hard to surrender and keep focused on where my life is going. What do I do? How do I do it? What do I, how do I go? Where do I go? Who do I see? I pray and things still come to me as temptation mm -hmm. that draws you away. But through prayer and commitment over and over and over, God will save you. Mm. And it's just... So I want to talk a little bit about, and I appreciate your transparency, Richard, in mm -hmm. this. I want to just talk about, I think, power of naming our grave clothes. So part of today is mm -hmm. the picture of how Jesus sets us free, mm -hmm. right? That we come to life in him. Like you stand with Lazarus at the mouth of that tomb, right? right? right. Christmas Eve 2013, Richard mm -hmm. Michaels, come to life, right. come out of that grave. Right. And you walk out of the grave, and I think, right, you walked out looking a little bit like this, <laughs> Right. Yeah, I was still full of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you remember when we talked out in the atrium that night, and you said mm. you said to me, "Remember, you said oh, it was a great service," and you said, right. "I'm not sure." You know, kept saying, "I'm not sure I'm coming back anytime soon." Do you remember? Are you right. being honest? Like, yeah. hey, you might see me at Easter. Remember right. that? Yeah. And I said, "Well, there's some things that happen between now and then," and you're like, uh. "Yeah." <laughs> So Remember that? Some of my old Keep your friends. arms straight down now. No. Oh, boy. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> he right? Didn't, he didn't tell me this. 
<laughs> so, Richard, uh, wanted, we're going to name some grave clothes in this discussion, all right? And you, you mm. feel free to provide any color commentary you want as we just talk about maybe some of the grave clothes you've been coming to grips with, right, that we all have. I just decided we're going to talk about the most common ones that I've either encountered in my own life or in trying mm. to help others. And the first one is rejection. We get the grave clothes of rejection wrapped around us. You know what rejection says? I'm not blank enough. Got to get into that beard right there. I'm not blank enough, right? Good. I'm not smart right. enough, strong right. enough, right. Uh, you know, creative enough, beautiful enough. I'm not complete enough. Mm-hmm. I'm not popular enough. I'm not whatever enough. Mm-hmm. And if you've been on the receiving end of a, a spouse walking out on you, a boss saying you're done, mm-hmm. a friend saying I'm done with the relationship, you've been on mm-hmm. any receiving end of hurt, betrayal, loss like that, you know what can get wrapped around your heart? Rejection. Right. Where you just internalize it. Mm-hmm. You just think, I'm just, I'm just not good enough. Mm-hmm. Right? right? You think about that, Richard, and just your own life and your own journey, right? How some stuff gets wrapped around the heart. Right. Then you want to give up. Huh? Then you want to give up. You're looking good, Lazarus. Yeah. Huh? So I want you to listen now to what, listen to what rejects. I put in your notes, um, you, I put in your notes Louis Giglio's comment about rejection. Listen to this. On one side of the family, the cousins are called insecurity, low self-esteem, low self-worth, inferiority, and even self-hate. We're talking about rejection. On the other side of the family, and it can be surprising to learn that they're related, the cousins are called driven to succeed, perfectionism, winning at all costs, and being an overachiever. If you've been told you're worthless, then you think low of yourself. If you've been told you're only valuable when you perform, then you think you've got to prove yourself every single time to be accepted. Hear this now. Both methods are coping are, of coping are signs you're battling the giant of rejection. Right. There's a lot in that, right? Mm-hmm. That's some grave clothes and get wound around the heart. Mm-hmm. Which can cycle right into guilt. Anybody got any grave clothes of guilt that get wound around there? Guilt being right, I can't get over it. Right? You've done some things you're just not proud of at all. Or maybe you didn't do some things that you knew really needed to get done. Mm-hmm. Anybody been there? Mm-hmm. I mean, as a parent, I mean, how many, I feel like as a parent, how many times I just fail as a parent? Like, I just, mm-hmm. it's not like as a parent when they hand you this young life in the, you know, family delivery mm-hmm. ward and they hand you this young baby and you look at your son or daughter and say, oh, I just can't wait to wreck your life. <laughs> I mean, that's not what we do as parents, but sometimes we mess things up, we, Right? We make mistakes. As a parent, as a friend, as a leader, those of you who lead, I can't think of the number of times I just made a terrible leadership decision or I just did, maybe the decision was right, but the way I carried it out was just so not right and not helpful. I'm like, oh, what a big mess. And you struggle with guilt. You just can't get over it. You've been there. You've done some things where you just, ah, guilt. Right? How about, you know what? One thing happened with these grave clothes, like one gets connected to the other. You're not sure where one set of grave clothes ends and another begins, mm-hmm. right? Rejection and guilt and then shame, right? Shame just says, I- I'm a failure in this, like, right? Shame where it's just like, oh, you've let your spouse down, you let your family down, you let your coworkers down, you let your church down, you let God down, you let yourself down, you just internalize this, oh, I'm just a mess, but shame, right? Because you just kind of look back and you just shake your head and... Mm-hmm. 
Rich, you got any color commentary to offer any of these? I'm sorry, I didn't do this 30 years ago. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you hear what Pam said? Me too. Yeah. So. Yeah. But right, all this stuff wound around yeah. our heart, right, Richard? This isn't just unique. This is all of us. Yeah. Yeah, it's everybody. Right? Rejection, mm -hmm. guilt, mm -hmm. shame. Another one I wrote down, resentment. Anybody mm -hmm. better resentment? I just can't let go. Mm -hmm. Resentment says I can't let go of it. Mm -hmm. Somebody hurt you. Somebody yeah. offended you. Somebody didn't do right to you. Right. And you just internalize that stuff. Right. You know what resentment is? Is anger that gets frozen over mm -hmm. in the heart. That's what resentment is. Frozen anger in here. Mm -hmm. You've been there? And when you're on the receiving end of the sinful choices of others, ooh, that's a battle of the grave close of resentment. Yeah. resentment. That can get wrapped around there. Mm -hmm. Right? Richard, you had some things in your life where you feel like, yeah. huh? Oh, I can't talk about them. <laughs> But there's some stuff, right, that's coming to mind, right, where you oh, think. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that Brent comes back mm -hmm. that I don't want to have anything to do with. Exactly. And I have to pray about it mm -hmm. constantly, every day. And Richard, yeah. say something about, like, what's different now? So, like, the old Richard, right, you were battling some of that old stuff, mm -hmm. all those old temptations mm -hmm. and stuff. What's different now? Spiritual come to life, Richard, right? You're still battling it, but what's right. different? When you are tempted, I have to const instantly go to prayer. Jesus, help me. Come here. Comfort me. Take me away from this. Give me different thoughts. Mm. You know, strengthen me in my weakness. And it's overwhelming people mm. that I love mm. where I'm at. Because God saved me from the world. Mm. Thank you. Didn't right? do it. Mm. I'm proud to be one of his children. Yeah. We're proud you're part mm. of the family here, brother. Together. Mm. So, right, so we're talking about rejection. We're talking about guilt. We're talking about shame. Right? I wrote down some others, resentment, control. How about anybody struggle with control, yeah. the grave clothes, where you just feel like, you know what? I'm in charge. I'm running the show. I'm calling the shots. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to know how I'm going to do it. I know best. I'm going to do what I want, how I want, when I want. Control. Well, that gets wrapped around there, right? Jesus yeah. got something to do with that. Yeah. Because the definition of sovereign is there can only be one sovereign Lord, but I know sometimes I live in my life like, oh, I'm going to try to play like I'm some little sovereign over right. kingdoms of the world. That doesn't work so well. Control can get wrapped around in there. Or how about addiction? Anybody struggle with patterns of addiction in their life? Right? We can get addicted to all kinds of things. Right? It could be substance abuse stuff. It could be pornography. Right? It could be just the patterns of addiction in our life. Work technology stuff. There's stuff we just get. We just, what is it you can't, I say, I can't live without this. It gets wrapped around our heart. Patterns of addiction. Jesus wants to set us free from that. How about approval? Anybody struggle with grave clothes of yeah. approval? Right. Trying to, you want everybody to think well of you. You can't imagine, you just go into the tank when someone's like any, any form of disapproval of you or just upset at you. Or Of course we want people to think well of us, but I'm saying there's a layer that this gets to where you're so preoccupied with what others think. Mm -hmm that you can hardly be in the present moment at all. And that can wind right into the grave clothes of anxiety or fear, right? Anxiety and fear, I wrote down, is this, I can't do this. You get to the point where you're so wound up 
with everything that might happen or could happen, right? You get so wound up with fear and anxiety about what could be that you can't actually experience what is. You can't be in the present moment because you're trying to live somewhere else, right? Jesus had some things to say about that. See where all these grave clothes get wound together? Listen to what Giglio says about this. He said, the antidote to fear is faith, and the soundtrack of faith is worship. God encourages us to put on a garment of praise when we feel entangled by the spirit of heaviness. Think about that, Richard. Yeah. He gives us songs in the night, yeah. anthems for the dark night of the soul where worry and stress and fear lurk about. Listen to this. Our invitation is to preload our journey with playlists of worship, sing into the face of the uncertainty about a sure and unchanging God. We have the ability to determine where we look right. and to whom we look. Richard, this is, this is, this is how Jesus met you. Yeah. 2013. Yeah. He said, Richard Michaels, come to life. Yeah. Uh, try to walk a little bit. Nah, it's not too good. <laughs> you try it. That's good right there. Yeah. That's a visual... That's a visual for the Christian life. Alive, but still entangled. Mm -hmm. You with me? Still entangled. Alive, he's moving, mm -hmm. he's come to life, right. some things have happened, right. he's changed, he said it himself, right? right? He's got the Holy Spirit, some right. stuff's different, right. right, Richard? Right. But there's still some stuff in process. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, life. <laughs> Would Pam yeah. say there's still some stuff in process? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't ask her what, though. <laughs> but what is it about Jesus, Richard, that you just can't shake? Like, you keep your eyes on it. What is it about him? He didn't quit trying to come and comfort me. He has comforted my sin in his power and mm. his love that I've never experienced through my heart, my mind. I can give that stuff away and be more satisfied in what he has to offer. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a work in progress, believe <laughs> me. But, but you've never met anyone like Jesus. Never. You told me that before. I remember how many Sundays Richard usually sits back over yeah. here and how many days you've come in, yeah. weighed down with yeah. all kinds of grave clothes. Yeah. But somewhere yeah. in the music or worship, there's yeah. Richard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Surrender. Worshiping in the face of yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Not letting what's wrong with us right. change what's right with God. Feel the joy. Mm -hmm. Feel the joy and the love. Now, do you remember in the text, and I had you read the story over mm -hmm. the last couple of days, do you remember what did Jesus say about how to get the grave clothes off? Who did he tell? Do you remember who did he say? <clears throat> he said, tell them. Yes, yeah, which is everybody. Yeah, what does that tell you? He said, them, take off the right. grave clothes. Do you right. So what, see that picture? So G Lazarus comes out like this, right. you're alive, yeah. but you're all about, right? He right. says, hey. Start unwrapping him. Mm -hmm. I want to give you a visual for this is the discipleship process right here. This is the process of becoming in character who you already are in identity. Mm -hmm. 
This is the process of spiritual growth and transformation. This is a long obedience in one direction. Right? Layer after layer. This is a lifelong journey. Yeah. Right? Yeah. See this visual right here? This is it. This is what Jesus is doing in our lives when He comes to us. Right? Notice Jesus didn't just, for Richard or for any of us, He didn't just take, just cut him straight no. off. That's why I, I, I thought Lazarus just sprinted out of the tomb. No, it was this. Yeah. The spiritual, it's like this, right? Slow process. But you're making progress. Right. You're headed his direction, right. right? You're like Lazarus coming out of the tomb. Right. You got your eyes on him. Right. And you're headed his way, and he just keeps, he never gives up on you, Richard. Right. Isn't that amazing? Jesus doesn't give up on you? Yeah. He's the only one that didn't give up on me. Hmm. And how about the picture of the people? Say a couple things about the power of community and the role of others in this. You can't do this alone. No, there's influence out here that's from all you guys' experience mm -hmm. that I can depend on when I fall. can call somebody and say, hey, man, what's up? You know, give me some advice. I've been praying and this ain't working. You know, what do I do? What do I do? But all of you guys, there's a few of you out here that's pretty cool, man, because you're with Jesus. And I'm still trying to get it together. And I'm depending on you for what you've seen in Jesus and what it's done for you. And I'm satisfied with where he's pulling me. So <laughs> It's a pull, right? He's yeah. got to pull you through sometimes, yeah. right? Let's yeah. put our hands together. Thank Richard for your help. Thank you, brother. <laughs> Appreciate you. You can yeah. take those with you. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Thank there you. you. Thank you. <laughs> all right, worship team, why don't you come on up? Worship team, come on up. Here's how we're going to draw all this to a close. You know, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, right, and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And what's the next phrase? Let's fix our eyes on... Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And some of you come in today and you go, I'm just so frustrated that things are so wound so tight. Why don't just Jesus just cut it and set it free? Have you been there? I just want a breakthrough right there. And you're just feeling like it's, another, it's a week of another quarter inch move. And you're Lazarus. And now the challenge is, just like that painting, that picture, you come up out of that grave and you keep your eyes locked in on you know the only one who's the way. You know there's only one who can ultimately deal with these grave clubs. We're going to need the power of community to help us, but like Richard said, do you know what the community dynamic is? You know what the community, it helps us keep our eyes on Jesus. So we need each other because we get distracted, we get off track. I need you, we need each other. We keep our eyes where they need to go. And I close with this image. Do you guys know the story of the Emperor Moth? Put a picture of the Emperor Moth up there. L.B. Kalman. She writes this in Streams in the Desert. She held one of those cocoons in a jar over a year. They can be in, a, in their cocoon for up to two to five years. The average is a year, but sometimes it goes longer. She said at the end of a year or so, she saw the moth begin to break out. She saw it begin to break out of the cocoon. She thought, you know what? It looked like it was struggling 
So she wanted to help it along. So she took her scissors and she snipped away the final threads around the cocoon and and let the moth come out. Here's what she wrote about that experience. As I examined the delicately beautiful spots and marking of various colors that were all in miniature, I longed to see them assume their ultimate size. I looked for my moth, one of the loveliest of its kinds, to appear in all its perfect beauty, but I looked in vain. My misplaced tenderness had proved to be its ruin. The moth suffered an aborted life, crawling painfully through its brief existence instead, instead of flying through the air on rainbow wings. And then she learned later, it was the very process of straining to break out of the cocoon is what actually formed and shaped the strength in the wings. And because she helped it, the wings were aborted and stubby and the moth lived an aborted life, as she said. Context. Right? Some of you, you're just breaking out of something and you want, you just want, oh, come and just, you know what? Jesus is at work in the strain and in the stress and in the work, unwinding the grave clothes. In Richard Michael's journey, as our journey, right? And in that process of the, of, the, of the strain and the pushing through and the not giving up, there's things being built and developed in us that know immediate. It's changed and it's changing. The one constant is, it's Jesus. So Father, as we worship now and put our eyes on you and look at these circumstances and God, there's so many layers and layers of grave clothes in this room. Oh God, thank you that you've come to us. Thank you that you've called us by name, come to life. And maybe this morning it's for you. Maybe you are like Richard. Maybe it's Christmas Eve 2013 for you today. All you have to do is simply call and say, Jesus, save me. And February 3rd, 2019 can be your day when you come to life spiritually. And you stand. And you begin a journey now of becoming already are, becoming in character who you are in identity in Him. Those who've come to life, Jesus, I pray this would be another step in our journey. Unwind another strip of those grave clothes today. Help us be clear, Lord. Be clear with what it is that's wound around our heart and continue to set us free inch by inch, we pray. In Jesus' holy name.